This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. The Green Hornet is an American radio adventure series that debuted in 1936 and introduced the character of the Green Hornet, a masked vigilante. George Trendle, the owner of WXYZ radio station in Detroit, liked the acoustic possibilities of a B sound, so he directed it to be incorporated into the show. The series detailed the adventures of Britt Reed, debonair newspaper publisher by day, crime-fighting masked hero at night. With his faithful valet Cato, Britt Reed, daring young publisher, matches wits with the underworld, risking his life so that criminals and racketeers within the law may feel its weight by the sting of the Green Hornet. Tonight we hear the episode, The Corpse That Wasn't There. The Green Hornet. the biggest of all game, public enemies who try to destroy our America. With his faithful valet Cato, Britt Reed, daring young publisher, matches wits with racketeers and saboteurs, risking his life that criminals and enemy spies will feel the weight of the law by the sting of the Green Hornet. with Britt Reed in the thrilling adventure, The Corpse That Wasn't There. The Green Hornet strikes again. were returning to the Daily Sentinel after lunch. The streets were crowded, and as they took their last corner, a man hurrying from the opposite direction ran into them. Excuse me, I'm in a hurry. Hey, why don't you watch where you're going, you... I tell you, Casey, sometimes I think they need traffic lights on the sidewalk, too. Are you okay? Yes, except for my handbag. Oh, here it is on the sidewalk. Hey, this yours, too? What? This letter. No, it's not mine. It's already been mailed, hasn't it? Yeah. Mailed and unsealed. Hmm. Uh-uh, Lowry. Never mind your reporter instincts. Not right to look at other people's mail. Well, not that I wasn't going to open it. I... Well, what do we do with it? Throw it away? Maybe important. Hmm. Mr. Ernest Kegler. It's probably the joker who bumped into you. Well, why should we bother with it? Oh, give it to me, Lowry. I'll call him up from the office. Look at the time. We'd better hurry. Mm-hmm. 
trying to reach him by phone. Do you mind if I try now? Oh, go right ahead. I'll glance at my letter. Hello, Switchboard. Yes, this is Lenore, Helen. Will you try that number again? It's a... <laughs> yes, that's right. It's a letter from Clicker Benny. She's a second officer in the wax now. Uh-huh, in North Africa. Have that posted on a bulletin board, huh? Yes, sir. I... Yes, Helen. Oh. Hello, Kay, thanks. Maybe he does work in a factory or someplace. No, no, I won't bother. Goodbye. Still no answer. Why not just put it in an envelope and send it to him? I guess that's the easiest thing. Wait I'll a just... minute. Is this the address? Yes. Oh, it's right in my way home. I'll tell you what, Miss Case. I'll drop it off there myself. How's that? There's house. I come back in one moment. Take you long. Cato, you still got the letter. Mr. Britt, please. I see something through the window. You come look. What's that? Please, you come with me. All right. Look there. You see? I'll be. Cato, try the door. Forget it. Now go on. 
They came out the store. And then what? Somebody close by me say, get him. I tried to see who it is, but something hit me on the head. That's all. Oh, that's all except... Where is Letta? The letter we came here to deliver? Well, you had it. I had it no more. Letta's gone. So that's what they wanted. Hey, Mr. Reed. Mr. Reed. Yes, what is it, officer? Hey, what kind of a joke is this? Joke? Murder's no joke. Sure, that's what I mean. What was the idea of calling up the police and having all this... Yeah, yeah, what do you call... What are you people doing in my house? What are those cars outside the door? Who are you? Who am I? Who am I? I, I live here. My name is Ernest Kegler. What does this mean? I come home... Now, and... just a moment, Mr. Kegler. My name is Reed. I am publisher of the Daily Sentinel. Tell me, what's a dead man doing in your living room? What kind of privacy can I put... What's that? A dead man in my living room? Yes. Murdered. Now, hold on. Wait a minute. One thing at a time. One thing at a time. Mr. Reed, if you're playing a joke, you're carrying it too far. Joke? What are you talking about? I'll tell you what I'm talking about. Take a look in that room. There's no murdered man. There's nobody at all. I have noticed myself. When I got back there, Kate was lying in the hall. I didn't go into the living room at all. The police went in. It's the strangest thing I ever heard of, Mr. Reed. The body was gone. No trace of it. If it hadn't been for the broken telephone wire, I might have believed it was a dream. And Cato and you both had the same dream. <laughs> well, what are the police going to do? Take you to a psychiatrist? No, not quite. After all, they realized I wouldn't phone about nothing. They've decided that Cato and I walked in on a practical joke. Someone was just playing dead. That's it. And got up and beat it after Cato left the room, I suppose. And what about using a blackjack on Cato? Was that to make the joke more practical? Well, I haven't figured that one out yet. Oh, good grief. All this because you delivered a lost letter. Well, that reminds me. The letter was gone, too. Cato had it, and then when he... Hello, boss. Hi, Casey. Hello, Laurie. Well, Laurie? I drew a blank, boss. You stayed with the police, didn't you? Sure. And like you said, I hung right on their shoulders while they checked up on this Ernest Kegler guy. The one who owned the house. Well, that's on the level. It is his house? He's on the level all the way. Name's Ernest Kegler, and he does own the house, and he's even got fingerprint proof of identification. Fingerprints, Mr. Reed? A criminal record? That's Casey. Don't jump the gun. This guy works in a war plant. That's how he had fingerprints. Oh. Simon Pure, As the driven snow. <laughs> I don't know, boss. Maybe you and Kate will walk in on a fraternity initiation. It seems so. Now, somehow I was sure that when the police investigated Ernest Kegler, they'd run into something. Well, well you saw Kegler. Yeah, did he look like the man who bumped into Miss Case on the street? I don't know. I didn't get a close look that time. I asked Kegler about a letter, and he said, yes, he'd lost one, but it wasn't important. Well, looks like the end of what might have been a good story for the Sentinel. I'll see you later, Miss Case. But, Mr. Reed, you just arrived. And now I'm leaving. Uh, I'll tell you something else. Kegler and the man I saw lying on the floor looked almost like twins. Goodbye. Holy mackerel. Say, Casey, maybe the boss is crazy. Mr. Britt, I think about it all day. If it were not for a bump on my head, I would not be sure. You and I are the only ones who are positive, Cato. And with that letter missing... Yes? There's something strange going on, I'm sure of it. Yes, sir. We've been wrong before. We may be wrong again. But at least we're going to find out. Hmm? 
So he was sitting around talking about it. Maybe we can use the role of the Green Hornet. Get the mask and the gas gun. We're taking the Black Beauty. A few seconds later, stepping through a secret panel in the rear of a closet in his bedroom, Britt Reed and Cato went along a narrow passage built within the wall of the apartment house itself. This passage led to an adjoining building which fronted on a dark side street. Though supposedly abandoned, this building served as the hiding place for the sleek, superpowered Black Beauty, streamlined car of the Green Hornet. Britt Reed pressed the button. The great car roared into life. A section of the wall in front raised automatically, then dropped into place as the gleaming Black Beauty sped into the darkness. Oh, Mr. Pitt. Same place, kiddo. The Kegler's home. Go in Kegler's front door. It looked like Lowry. I might have known. Lowry's a swell reporter. He always keeps digging. Yes, but in this case, that's not so good for us, no? Oh, it might turn out all right, Cato. In fact, it might be very helpful. Come on. We'll get into that house quietly. We'll be there when Lowry leaves. We might get something. <laughs> anything special I want to see about Mr. Kegler, but I just can't help feeling that the boss did run into something. He's a level-headed guy. Yes, I understand. I read the Sentinel myself, a good newspaper. He just stopped off to do you a favor and return that letter. Huh? Uh, the one you dropped when we bumped, remember? Oh, yes, but it wasn't important. Uh, please, why don't you forget the whole thing? <laughs> oh, you know us reporters. Maybe there was somebody here. I don't know. Maybe it was a practical joke. But whatever it was or wasn't, it's over and done with. Okay, okay. So you've got your letter, haven't you? No, I haven't. Oh, yes, yes, that's right. Well, good night. Yeah, I'll show you to the door. Oh, you don't have to do that. Go to the door, kiddo. Yes, sir. We learn nothing yet. Kiddo, back behind the drapes. We're talking. A reporter was here. I'm worried. But I... All right, if you say so. Yes. Yes, I understand. Yes, nothing to worry about. So what? All right, I'll destroy the letter at once. Goodbye. Hey, Kegler, hand over that letter. Good. Look out! He has guns! 
house in the suburbs on the other side of the city from Kegler's home, a man named Bolton hung up the phone and crossed to another room. Uh, it was Kegler. Oh? Yeah. Reporter from the Sentinel was nosing around again. I told him to forget it. Nothing's going to go wrong. He's nervous, man. Huh? Well, you can't blame him. It was pretty close. Yes. <laughs> it's a lucky thing that fellow he sloped had the letter. I lifted it right from his hand. Yeah, I told Kegler to burn it. We read it already. Uh, say, uh, we've got to do something about, uh, you know, that dead man. Sure, sure. Maybe the river. Oh, shut up, will you? I'm thinking Hey, where now? I want to double check. I'm going to call Kegel and make sure he burned that letter. It's five minutes. He's had plenty of time. That letter would mean our finish if it got in the wrong hands. Yeah. Eating you. Come in here. It's dark out there. Come on in. Yes. All right, now let's have it. What happened to the letter? And what do you mean somebody knows about it? I can tell you, Bolton. Oh, your mask, the Green Hornet. Stop it. <coughs> Leave it there. Reach for that gun and I pull this trigger. Hey, what's this all about? Kegel, you pulling a fast one? Don't blame him. He shot at me. Just his tough luck that he missed, that's all. Now, uh, how much is this letter worth, Bolton? Uh, nothing. Why? And what happened to the man who was killed in Kegler's house? What about the what man? Your lip, man? Don't kid me, Bolton. You've covered up pretty fast, but I've got ways of finding things out. Who was that dead man? You're off the bay. Was he somebody who knew your setup? Or maybe this Kegler's a fake. Maybe the dead man was the real Kegler. You're pretty smart, aren't you? The police might think so. Don't give me that. You were the hornet. You wouldn't go to the police. I can't get it from you. Maybe I can get it from your stooge here. Come on, Kegler. Well, Come on, we'll let Bolton think about it. Stay here, Kegler. He's coming with me. No, he's not. I don't think you can handle him the right way. Now, me and Mannheim can do that. We'll take it. Now, get that gun. I don't want it. I can't see. You won't get a chance. I'll take it one side, Kegler. Oh, yes. Okay, Kegler, come along. And close your mouth. You look like a fish. Hold this. What's back there? The grudge. All right. You go first. 
check the driveway. Hello. Right here. I find out. Just a moment. Kegler. Yes? Walk up to the garage. Stand there with your back to us. And remember, you make a perfect target against that white background. So don't try anything. I look in the garage. Well, I look in the back. There's a big, heavy trunk. You were right, Mr. Brooke. It was. Fine, fine. That's all I want to know. Now we'll leave a note for Bolton and Mannheim. And we'll see that Kegler gets back to his home and keeps his mouth shut until tomorrow night. <laughs> Come on, wake up. Where's my gun? Where's my gun? Oh. oh, it's you. Is he gone? Yeah, him and Kegler both. I found this. It's got the hornet seal on it. That's right. I'll give you one more chance to talk money. Don't try anything till I call. She will be watched. I guess he means business. Yes. What about the garage? Well, we better do like he says, man. I'm. We just sit tight and wait. Hello? Yes. This is Kegler. No, I'm sorry. I, I won't be to work today. No, I'm not feeling well. Goodbye. I'm not feeling well at all. City room at Laurie Talking. What's that? What? Yeah, what about Kegley? Huh? Say, who is this? I said, who? What is it, Laurie? Some guy said if I wanted a story, I should go see Kegler again. Again? Yeah, tonight around midnight. And I don't even know who called. Hello? Is that you, Bolton? I saw you last night, remember? That's right. Sure, stick around. I'll see you again. I'll see you around 9 and 9.30. And no tricks this time. I've been watching from the windows. I haven't seen a thing. Uh, he'll be around. He said so. What are you going to do? I don't know. Get the money for him, but it's pretty tough. Yeah. We'll see what happens. I wish we'd taken care of that, you know, in the trunk in the garage. And have the hornet find out about that? Maybe he already knows. Maybe. I'll tell you one thing we gotta do. You mean Kegler? Yeah. He's scared silly. He's already talked to the hornet. How much we don't know. But he might talk to the police if the pressure gets strong enough. We gotta take care of him. 
Philip, huh? Yeah, we got to do it soon. We can't go. That's the back door. The hornet? Yeah, who else? Keep your gun out of sight, man. Don't worry. I don't take chances with that fella. Well, what are you waiting for? Open the door. Look at the glass, man. I'm... It's a shadow. No. Leaning right against her. You can't tell. It's that glass that you can't see through. There's something peculiar. Oh, well. Look out! Bolton, it. it's the body from the trunk in the garage. Propped up against the door. Who put it there? How did it... I just bolt it. Mm-hmm. It's You'll know about it. I want to know a lot more. This man's dressed something like Kegler. He looks like Kegler. Who was he? What was his name? Forget it, Hornet. This doesn't concern you. I'm mixed up in something. I want to know all about it. Come on, who was he? He's Kegler. Kegler? Oh, I get it. You mean the real Kegler? Yeah. Your friend who calls himself Ernest Kegler? Never mind, I can figure it. He took this man's place, didn't he? Took over his home. This man was kept a prisoner in his own house, isn't that right? Yeah, that's it. And when that, uh... That newspaper publisher told the police he found a dead man there. This was the man he saw. Yeah. That was while we were out of the house getting a car. When we got back, we slugged the man we found there. And and took the body out fast. What was the reason for all that, Bolton? I wanted our man to get a job in a war plant. By using this one's references, he got a good job. Preparing for sabotage, eh? Something like that. Something went wrong, and you had to kill him. A letter came with a code message. Somehow the real Kegler got hold of it. He got out of the house and was on his way to the police. He saw us trailing him and got scared. He dropped the letter. We got up with him a couple of blocks further on and took him back to the house. So that's why the letter was important. Yeah. Look, Hornet, there's two things we got to do. We need that letter, and we got to take care of this body. It'll cost you money. Here, here. There's plenty. Then I'll give you... I'll take it all. Thanks. What about your partner? Kegler. Okay, we'll call him that for convenience. He's nervous. You might spill everything. Certainly. We got to get rid of him. Shut up, I was uh, working on that, Hornet. I uh, haven't got any ideas. I have an idea, Bolton. I might as well earn this money. It's a good idea. How about making it look like murder and suicide? Murder? Yes, with your friend as the murderer who commits suicide. I'll explain it later. When? When we get to Kegler's house, of course. I suppose you take this man over there in your car. Now, no tricks. I'll be driving right behind you. Close now, Mr. Britt. Yes, they're turning the corner. Now, don't follow them. Turn here in the alley. They'll stop at the house, all right. Now, come on. We'll go into that house the back way and be very careful. Lowry ought to be prowling around nearby. Lowry, isn't that Kegler's house? Yeah, Casey. It's too early for me to make my call. It's... Well, look. There are two men going toward the front door. They're carrying another man. That guy's either had one thing too many or... Holy mackerel. Wait here, Casey. Lowry, where are you going? I'll be right back. I'm going to look in a window. 
Casey. Casey. What is it? What did you see? Funny, they're inside now. That man they were carrying was dead. He's on the living room floor. And the hornet's there, too. Good grief. I'll keep watching. You get to a phone and get the cops here as fast as you can. I don't understand. I don't understand why you brought him back here. I don't see why Okay, you... Kegler, I'll clear it up for you. Van Ham, give me your gun. Wipe the print off first. Mm-hmm. Here you are. Thanks. Kegler, this is the gun Mannheim used to kill that man. The idea is to use this gun on you. And then leave it in your hands. Oh. Yes. It will appear that you murdered that man, and now that you've committed suicide. No, no, no. Don't let him. Shut Kegler. That's the way we want it. It makes us safe, get it? Then the hornet gives us that letter. We burn it. Hey, what's that? Police cars, they're outside. Police. Hornet, Hornet, hurry up. Shoot him. Shoot him. I will, Bolton, but not with your gun, with mine. Take it, Kegler. Oh, no. Hey, what good's that? Send this money to the USO. Break the door down. In here, this room. Well, I'll be. Are they all dead? No, no, just one of them. I saw the whole thing from the window, Sarge. And unless I'm nuts, you'll have a spy story that'll hit the headline. That's fine. But what happened to the Green Hornet? the adventure, The Corpse That Wasn't There. These exciting dramas are sent to you each week at this same time. They're copyrighted features of The Green Hornet Incorporated. All characters, names, places, and incidents used in this drama are purely fictitious. Bob Heiss speaking. Stay tuned for A Day in the Life of Dennis Day. Time now for the owner of a beautiful Irish tenor voice to show up. Let's give a listen to how Dennis Day sounded on radio in the 1940s. This episode is called The Jewel Thief. Palmolive Soap and Colgate Dental Cream. Palmolive Soap, your beauty hope, and Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth. <laughs> the Dennis Day Show with Barbara Eiler, B. Benadera, Dink Trout, George Dooning in the orchestra, and yours truly, Vern Smith, 
is written by Frank Galen and stars our popular young singer in A Day in the Life of Dennis Day. Here's Dennis to sing the new hit song, The Matador. Matador was in the ring, prada boom chick, boom prada boom chick. When a frightened bull came out of that door to face the matador and slaughtering, prada boom boom, boom prada boom boom, dressed in an uber cape and traditional regalia. He hadn't let a bull escape, so the bull was facing failure. began to tangle as the crowd let out a roar. And to this day, no one has seen the matador. Prada boom chick, boom prada boom chick. No, they cheer the bull in wild acclaim. Prada boom boom, boom prada boom boom. No, he's standing in his pen and taking balls. And all the gorgeous cows are all aflame. Prada boom chick. Boom, prada, boom, boom. This 700 pounds of fake is reputed to be some fear. This is a very big mistake. All the people got a bomb fear. He may be celebrated, but he actually was slated for Pepito's butcher store. To be a beefsteak for the famous matador. Prada, boom, boom. Boom, prada, boom, 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 prada, boom, boom, boom. Ole! Did you ever notice that the average intelligent male mind, no matter how efficient at retaining all sorts of abstruse information, is completely incapable of remembering birthdays, anniversaries, and other events dear to a woman's heart? Well, this being the case, you would expect our young hero, Dennis Day, to remember them perfectly. But, alas, in this one particular, his mind is similar to the average intelligent male's. So, tomorrow, being Mildred Anderson's birthday, she finds it necessary to operate somewhat coyly, like this. Dennis. Huh? Do you know what tomorrow is? Oh, naturally. Tomorrow's the day all the kids have fun bobbing for apples and burning down houses and stuff. <laughs> Dennis, I know it's Halloween, but it also happens to be something else. It does? What? Well, let's put it this way. Just 21 years ago tomorrow, my mother was in the hospital, and all my father's friends were congratulating him. Well, what do you know? So he did win one of their fights. <laughs> Oh, I knew he couldn't have done it if she hadn't been concentrating on something else. <laughs> Dennis, don't you realize what I'm trying to tell you? Tomorrow's my birthday. Your birthday? Oh, my gosh, that's right, it is. How could you ever have forgotten? Don't you remember how you surprised me on my birthday last year? Yeah, I didn't give you anything. <laughs> yes, and I'll bet you were going to do the same thing this year. Oh, Dennis. Oh, Mildred, don't get excited. All you have to do is tell me what you no. want. No. It's up to you to pick out my gift with no help from me. Oh. Do you think I tell you that a new shop called Mademoiselle Yvette of Paris just opened at 128 Elm Street with the loveliest bed jackets and negligees and things I've ever seen? 
Do you think I let you know I didn't trust your judgment by hinting that's what I wanted? Looks like. <laughs> well, she does have some simply divine imported lingerie, Dennis. Just ask for Mademoiselle Yvette herself. Okay, I'll... I'll get a firm grip on myself and go down to her shop right now. Get a firm grip on yourself? What do you mean? Well, I've never been in a store like that before, Mildred, and... Well, gosh, you know how I blush just going through the backyard on Monday mornings. <laughs> Good morning, Miss. Banjo Monsieur. <laughs> you have a desire? Oh, yes, ma'am. Could I speak to Mademoiselle Yvette of Paris, please? You're speaking to La Mademoiselle in Python, dearie. <laughs> You're Mademoiselle Yvette? Maynette! <laughs> Gee, you have the most peculiar accent. What part of France are you from? Oh, a little place outside Paris called Greenturn. <laughs> Did you wish to see some merchandise, Monsieur? Well, uh, yes, ma'am. It's uh, for my girlfriend, but I, uh, I... Uh... Uh, what's the matter, Beersful? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> I understand. Well, how about a pair of these? Oh, put them down! Put them down! <laughs> so what are you getting excited? There's nobody in them. <laughs> I know, but I can't help it. Okay, if you ain't interested in stockings, I'll show you something else. I have a new number here I was just unpacking. A lovely nightgown, see? Yeah. Okay, take it out of the tissue paper. What tissue paper? That's the nightgown. Oh, my gosh. Ain't it a lovely creation, though? Sue me like froth, huh? It's a special Parisian importation called the Marie Antoinette Nighty. Uh, how much is it? $150. How much without Marie Antoinette? Uh, you mean 150 is too high for you, huh? Well, a little. To tell the truth, I was looking for some lingerie at around $3. Sonny, for $3, it ain't lingerie. It's underwear. <laughs> I'm sorry, mademoiselle, but that's all the money I have. Uh, how about a pair of these black lace things? They look kind of inexpensive. Well, that's an import, too, dearie. Don't you see those French words embroidered on one leg? Oh, yeah. L'amour, toujours l'amour. I wonder what that means in English. Well, I'm not sure, but I think it's do not use a hot iron. <laughs> Those step-ins would interest you anyway. They're $85. $85? Gosh, in that case... Well, I... wait, don't give up. I think I have something in the back in the stock. It's just your price. I'll be with you in just a sec. Gee, $85 for just one little pair. They are kind of cute, though, with that black lace. I wonder if... Nah, still they might. Oh, no, it's ridiculous. I'm sure they don't make them for men. <laughs> It sure be a sensation down at the locker room of the gym, though. <laughs> oh, but they're too flimsy anyway. I'll bet if they got one little tug like this that they just... Oh, my gosh, what have I done? <laughs> they're not black, black lace steppins anymore. They're black lace kilts. <laughs> What'll I do? $85. She'll have me locked up. I think I have something for you, Sonny. 
Holy smoke, here she comes. I gotta get out of here. I can't go to jail. Hey, wait, where are you there? Oh, my $85 pants I paid $9 wholesale for. <laughs> Oh, gee, thank goodness. It's only along the seam. Two minutes with the sewing machine and they'll be as good as new. Listen, thank goodness you're home. I gotta talk to you. I'm in trouble. Oh, my. Here we go again. <laughs> what now, boy? Well, suppose... Suppose a person had an accident and then ran away from the scene of the crime... That would be pretty bad, wouldn't it? Oh, my, yes. Hit and run is a very serious offense, Dennis. Well, this wasn't exactly hit and run. It was more rip and skip. <laughs> Dennis, just what kind of trouble are you in? Oh, it's bad, Mr. Anderson. Have you got $85 you could give me right away? $85? Who do you think you're talking to, the head of the family? <laughs> oh, my gosh, then what can I do? Well, as I see it, you have two choices. You can try to borrow the money from my wife, or you can commit Harry Carey. <laughs> of the two, I'd say the first with a faster way to go. Mr. Anderson, I'm desperate. I'm going to try to borrow it from your wife. I'll see you later. Well, out of one eye at the very most, but good luck, my boy. Oh, thanks. Ah, good morning, Mrs. Anderson. Good morning, Dennis. Gee, you know something? I've never seen you looking so lovely. What have you done to your hair this morning? I haven't had a chance to comb it yet. <laughs> oh. Well, uh, Mrs. Anderson, I was wondering if you'd do me a tiny little favor. You see, my grandmother hasn't been feeling well. Oh, I'm sorry to hear it. Anything serious? Probably. She died last night. <laughs> oh, my gracious. That's... Uh... Wait a minute. Didn't you tell me one of your grandmothers passed away ten years ago and the other died before you were born? That's right. Now I need $85. It's time they were buried. Dennis, do you by any chance happen to be out of that vacuum-packed head of yours? Oh, no, ma'am. Look, Mrs. Anderson, I'm desperate. I just got to get my hands on some money. And you want it from me? Would you please, ma'am? Would you please? Don't be fantastic. Not a red cent will you get. But, Mrs. Anderson... That's final, Dennis. Now get your hat. I want you to run an errand for me. Yes, ma'am. I want you to take these diamond earrings down to the jeweler on Main Street and have them cleaned and the stones reset. Do you think you can handle such an errand? Well, sure. What gives you the idea I can't do a simple thing like that? We haven't time to go into that now. <laughs> Just get them there and don't breathe a word to Mildred about it. I'm giving them to her as a surprise for her birthday. Oh, yes, ma'am. Now hurry and remember, Mildred mustn't know a thing about this. Oh, no, ma'am. She won't. Oh, hi, Dennis. Where are you going in such a hurry? Oh, someplace. Yes, but... Well, what have you got there? My goodness, Mother's earrings. Oh, my gosh, I didn't mean for you to find... Mildred, you got to forget you saw them. Please, will you? Well, sure, but where are you taking them? Oh, I can't tell you. But believe me, you're going to get a nice birthday present. Goodbye. <laughs> now, what in the world? Was that Dennis who rushed out of here like that, Mildred? Yes. Daddy, have you any idea why he's rushing off with Mother's valuable diamond earrings? Her diamond ear... Oh, my sacred Aunt Petunia's little lace chemical. Daddy, what is it? Well, he told me he was in a bad jam and needed money desperately. Mildred, you don't Oh, suppose... my goodness. And he just told me I was going to get a nice birthday present. But, Daddy, you can't think he stole those oh, earrings. Oh, of course not. Only a dope would do a thing like that. Oh, then you do think so. <laughs> well, I'm afraid our Dennis is in trouble and has done something very foolish, Mildred. Oh, Daddy. 
Daddy, I always wanted to take an ocean trip for my honeymoon, but not to Alcatraz. We'll continue this rather harrowing day in the life of Dennis Day in a few minutes. Meanwhile, here's Dennis to sing Every Day I Love You. you just a little bit more, just a little bit more, just a little bit more. Every day I want you just a little bit more than I did the day before. You'll never guess how deep my love is, not even in your wildest dream. But just so you'll get it clear, compared to my love, my dear, the Mississippi River's just a stream. Every day I love you just a little bit more, just a little bit more, just a little bit more. Every day I want you just a little bit more than I did the day before. Well, our Dennis is in a jam. He expects to be arrested any moment for accidentally tearing a pair of black lace step-ins in a lingerie shop. But what he doesn't know is that his guilty actions have caused Mildred and Mr. Anderson to believe he's stolen Mrs. Anderson's diamond earrings and intends to sell them. They've just confided their suspicions to Mrs. Anderson, who takes the news of her loss like a trooper. A stormtrooper, that is. <laughs> Why, that low-down snake in the grass. I'll break every bone in his empty skull. Easy now, bunny fluff. <laughs> Easy. Oh, that thief. And to think I handed him those earrings myself. Mother, Dennis isn't a criminal. He, he's just temporarily out of his mind. <laughs> Twenty-two years is not temporary. <laughs> That's what he is. No, Mother, there must be some mistake. He can't be a crook. I tell you, he is. And you, you wanted to marry him. Oh, I still do. I don't care what he turns out to be. I'll marry the man I love in spite of everything. That's a fine way to talk. And with the example of your mother right in front of your nose. <laughs> I've decided to overlook that for any number of obvious reasons. <laughs> However, the main problem right now is what to do about Dennis. Problem? What problem? I'm going to call the police and have him locked up. The police? Oh, Mother, you can't. No, lover girl, I won't let you. Oh, you won't let me, huh? No, Poopsie. You make one move toward that phone and you have me to deal with. You understand? Calling all cars. Calling all cars. Be on the lookout for Dennis Day, wanted for jewel robbery. Description as follows, age 22, height 5 feet 9, when last seen was wearing brown trousers, tennis shoes, and a Mickey Mouse sweatshirt. <laughs> Both of Mickey Mouse's eyes are bloodshot due to ketchup stains. Arrest this man on sight. That is all. Rose and Krantz.
kid talk yet, Dunnigan? Yeah, yeah, sure he talked, only who can make sense out of what he's saying? What do you mean? Did you shine the light in his eyes? Yeah, yeah, but I had to quit. Found out he likes it. <laughs> well, did you threaten him with the hose? Yeah, three times. Kept saying, no thanks, he just had a show. <laughs> We gotta get a confession out of a man. I'll find out what he did with those earrings if it takes all night. Now, I'm warning you, Cap, his answers ain't like any that you ever heard before. <laughs> Baloney, wait till I work on him a while. Come on. All right, Dave. Sit down. Oh, that's all right. I've been sitting all evening. Here, you sit down. <laughs> Shut up. Yes, sir. <laughs> Didn't I tell you, Kevin? <laughs> you keep quiet, too. Dave, have you got a record? Oh, no, sir. I don't even have a phonograph. <laughs> now, look here, you. This has gone far enough. You're going to sing. Do you understand? I beg pardon? I'm telling you, if you know what's good for you, you'll sing. Yes, sir. Way down upon the Swanee River. Any Lulu Once and for all, Day, are you guilty or aren't you? Oh, yes, sir, I did it. But they were such flimsy things that I couldn't help... Never mind the excuses. What I want to know is, have you got them on you? Oh, no, sir. <laughs> no, sir, I'm strictly a red flannel man myself. Say, Captain, did you notice that some of his answers don't even have anything to do with the question? <laughs> Starting to make me a little nervous, too. Well, he ain't got him on him. I can vouch for that. He probably gave him to a fence and they divided the loot. Yeah. Okay, Dave, did you split with a fence? <laughs> I told you I wasn't wearing them, so how could I split them on a fence? I quit stalling. Did you break them up and take the stones out of them? Yeah, stones in them? <laughs> You know they have stones in them. Gee, no wonder some women are so fidgety. <laughs> what? Now I know why you hear so much screaming on the radio when you tune in, ladies, be seated. <laughs> well, let's get them both and let them go before we're not too <laughs> Now, today I'm warning you for the last time. Are you going to tell us what you did with those earrings, or aren't you? Earrings? What earrings? Mrs. Anderson's earrings, of course. What do you think we pinched you for? Oh, I thought it was on account of the black lace stepping. <laughs> Why do we care how you dress? <laughs> All we want to know is where those earrings are. Oh, well, that's easy enough. They're at the jewelers being fixed. Mrs. Anderson asked me to take them there for her. Oh, she asked you to take them, eh? A likely story. <laughs> oh, it's true, Sergeant. In fact, I walked right past you when I went into the jewelers with them. It could be, Dunnigan. That's your beat. Of course, maybe the sergeant didn't notice me. He was sitting in his patrol car with a blonde. What? <laughs> well, look, look, don't listen to him, Cap. Well, well you... were you with a blonde or weren't you, Dunnigan? No, really, Cap. I'm... Come on, talk. Shall I shine the light in his eyes? <laughs> <laughs> look, you got my reports every half hour, didn't you, Cap? What are you worrying about? I want my men to do their jobs, Dunnigan. Yeah? 
All right. Where were you when I phoned in at 11.45 this morning? Answer me that. None of your business. Uh-huh. I thought so. I'm guzzling beer again, eh? Now, see here. Where were you or weren't you? Shall I give him the hose? <laughs> Dunnigan, go get that jeweler on the phone and check the kid's story. Okay, Cap. But I'll tell you one thing, Dave. If you're lying to us, I'm sorry for you. You're going up the river for so long uh-huh. that you... Ah, so you finally caught the scoundrel, huh? Oh, hi, Mrs. Anderson. Well, I must say this is a very inefficient police force. There isn't a mark on him. <laughs> Mrs. Anderson, how can you talk like that? Lady, the boy says you gave him those earrings yourself. Well, of course I did. But this thief planned hey, to... Hey, look, it's like the kid says, all right, Cap. The earrings are at the jewelers and they're under Mrs. Anderson's name. What? See? Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand. I, uh, I thought that he... I don't care what you thought, lady. This boy is innocent. Well, yes, I guess he is. And, and I'm sorry about what happened. Sorry? Do you realize he could sue you for false arrest and defamation of character and get every nickel you own? I could? <laughs> Gosh. Uh, oh, but he, he wouldn't do that, Captain. Why, we're such very dear friends. Why, we love each other, don't we, Dennis? <laughs> oh, why, why, you don't mean that. I know you don't. And just as soon as we get back to my house... Whose but... house, kiddo? <laughs> I mean, our house, naturally. <laughs> I'll get my car right away and Whose we... car? <laughs> Our car, of course. What am I saying? <laughs> you stay right here and I'll get my husband. That is, I mean... Oh, no, you can have him all to yourself. <laughs> oh, thank you, Dennis. Thank you, who? I mean, thank you, Mr. Day. Who? Very well, Popsy. <laughs> George Dooning in the orchestra, here now is Dennis to sing The Night Has a Thousand Eyes. Don't whisper things to me you don't mean. For words deep down inside can be seen by the night. The One that lies Oh, romance may have called in the past My love for you will be Everlasting and bright As bright as the starlit sky And this wondrous night that has a thousand eyes. I've lived my life walking through a dream. For I 
Dennis Day Show, brought to you by Palmolive Soap, Your Beauty Hope, and Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth. again next week to Colgate's Hour of Fun, Judy Canova, followed by Dennis Day. And for another great comedy program, hear Blondie next Wednesday evening over your favorite NBC station. This is Vern Smith speaking. Good night. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow we wrap up the week with The Shadow, followed by Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. Stay tuned for some pretty snappy chatter from Ziggy along with some great music on Stardust, next on Zoomer Radio. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.